So hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, here we are in January 2021. I'm still not used to saying 2021, but this is good practice. And I want to continue this great tradition from the past year of reaching out to old friends uh, um, and asking just how are they, what are they working on, and I'm very happy to be able to um, share this with an audience. I think that there's many inspiring things about my friends <laughs> that although I could keep them to myself, I, I, to myself, I could also share them with you, the audience. And today uh, I'm reaching out right now on the line to Uti in Tamil Nadu in India. I always think of it as the heart of India, but Mari, you can correct us. Uh, Madhavan is here. Hello, Mari. Hey, hi, Mark. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And and you and I, so for the audience, uh, you and I met maybe four years ago, roughly. Yeah. Right there in, in Uti. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you had just arrived, actually. So that's also interesting, right? This is, you're yeah. living in a place that has been now your home for almost five years. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And at the yeah, time, I that time from Goa, the beautiful town in India, to the southern part of India, the mountains, beautiful. It's called the uh, Swiss of India. <laughs> yeah. So just good uh, to Uti. Yeah. I mean, for I was there in the beginning of the year or end of the year, so it was either December or January. And it, when I was traveling, it was mostly pretty warm. But then I arrive in Uti, and the air is fresh and. Uh, I definitely remember the night. It's cold. I had to put on extra layers and you took me yeah. on your scooter. And, you know, this is also a very refreshing experience. The whole thing, uh, quite different yeah. from other parts of India. I was mostly mostly in the south uh, on the coast, on the west coast at that time. South, south of India. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Mati, here's what I remember, because now we have to catch up. I remember, yeah. so you're a photographer, among other things, right? You're, you're a thinker, you're, you're a world citizen. And uh, we talked about uh, analog photography because yeah. I, my impression has always been you have a passion for analog photography. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, true, like, I mean, yeah. And, but you had a concept then. It was that you would have a place, uh, uh, some kind of center for both maybe teaching photography. But tell me, instead of me trying to remember, uh, how, how has <laughs> that... Because it was a bit of a, I don't know if it was a dream, you tell me, but you had an idea of something you wanted to build. Yeah, actually, like uh, when we met, I think uh, that time I moved from Goa to Uti, from the coastal area to mountains. Like, um, but uh, I'm, a, as you say, like I am a big fan of um, uh, all, um, analog photography. And even further, like I'm, a, I'm in with great love with alternative photography, right? So alternative photography is even before the analog came into the world, um, the period of 1838 to 1890s, that period is called alternative photography, where the degrotypes and uh, cyanotypes and albumin prints and wet um, plate collagen and so many different processes being experimented all over the world that time. So I'm a very big fan. And um, in fact, like uh, we set up an institution in Goa, it's called Goa Center for Alternative Photography to do uh, practice and uh, to teach people also and to engage artists in creating photograph, I mean, using photography, using uh, alternative photography methods or, or uh, processes. So it was quite a successful run in Goa. So like, um, an analog came later, actually analog is, as we all know, like um, it is like a, a black and white color films. Uh, or transparencies, which is which is very modern, and we have seen in our life as we grow up, 
but alternative photography we only see it in museums so we never uh, do it ourselves but uh, that's the time i i took up and then i promoted started working on this in a, as a national project um promoting alternative photography with the artistic community and photography community so it becomes quite quite a big movement now in india like there are a lot of people taken up uh, alternative photography as one of the uh, artistic expression actually yeah. so like um, it was a very good one that time uh, and after uh, coming to uti like uh, i started to work more on archives of photographs actually oh yeah so like uh, from doing from alternative photography i thought i will uh, because we have created so much of photography in, uh, in <laughs> 150 years so there is someone to look into it <laughs> yes so it's we no need to produce more actually like there are there are enough people in india and the world producing trillions of images but uh, i thought like uh, now I, i at least i should uh, take time out and uh, see the pictures like which is been taken in 18th 19th century and uh, 20th centuries so i started working with archives like i started working with lot of museums around india yeah. so and uh, small small archives so curating shows for them putting uh, writing about the uh, photography processes that existed in india uh, the history of it like the science of it all this stuff like so the last 5 years i have been working mainly on archives uh, all over india I, so I, this is a chart <laughs> yeah I, i remember being very uh the conversation between us uh, really made me think and that was you were describing your work uh with an archive i think it was something like national archive uh but what i remember specifically is that you talked about physical pictures that were historically really important as you say from the earliest times of photography in the country and but what you told me was a very sad kind of truth which was a lot of these pictures were disintegrating they were in terrible condition and you know it it's sort of that reminder of you may have these things and you may think they're preserved but in fact they're not that's very much true actually the moment i started working with the archives like all over india like i mean visiting museums some the the institutions which uh, uh, i mean uh, using photography uh, in their archives so like the sad part is like um, we don't have a concept of conservation photography conservation and preservation in india uh because photography is always i mean used as a documentation tool not a kind of an archiving material so we would like to archive uh, paintings we would like to archive books we would like to archive sculptures but we don't really think about uh, photograph hmm. because it is only used for documenting so once you take the photographs it has been used in the records it goes somewhere nobody knows where it goes so there is no record there is no um, concept of preservation there is no archival um, uh, thinking into it so like uh, we have lost so much of history right i mean um, uh, because we didn't care for the photographs right? yeah so because this this particular history was very important because from 1850s like um, till now like that's a period the india was ruled by britishers and then we got uh, independence and then the new uh, new uh, country born actually yeah. so entire thing was documented in photographs but unfortunately like uh, we we lost so much of it actually so people started i mean because we didn't preserve it so it uh, actually it, in any art material it will disintegrate of its own which is happened and most of the people uh, started to burn the photographs to recover the silver out of it so like uh, that is a huge thing like um, the people will just throw it away to the i mean uh, the waste pickers so they will burn the photographs so that they can recover some little bit of silver whatever it is there so like uh, so much of photographs even now if when i go to dumping site i always see some photographs there actually like 
So like the, the concept of understanding photograph as an historical uh, tool is completely gone, I feel like. But uh, we have been fighting, we have been telling all over uh, India in museums, so many conferences and symposiums. There is a change, it's happened in four or five years, I think. Hmm. But the slow, by the time we lost, I mean, maybe like, maybe millions of photographs. True. All historical evidences that we had. Do, do you feel like, I mean, you're saying there's a change happening. Does that mean people are starting to understand what you've been trying to tell them for many years? Yeah, exactly. I could see that, actually. Like, uh, the museums started to set up their uh, photographic conservation units. I mean, there is um, uh, and there is no education support in India, actually. So we have to look in West for all the support of uh, educational, uh, I mean, photographic conservation, how to do it, and the methodologies and the science behind everything. So, like, at least whatever I know, I share with the people, like, and we try to do it. And a lot of museums started to, uh, I mean, at least document what photographs they have, actually. Yes. Uh, both uh, corporates and I mean individuals. I mean and, to, and the government. But <coughs> you know, this uh, the change is very slow, but it is happening in a very positive way. That yeah. Is and and That's meanwhile, the... for you, like um, I remember, you you wanted to set up actually a few years ago. I did see you had uh, among the projects you've done. There was the former uh, toilet. Uh, in Uti that became an art gallery. I did notice that. I didn't write to you at the time, but I read it and enjoyed. Um, uh, and uh, what has become... So, uh, tell. I mean, let's go back to that. It's been, I think, two years probably. But here is this yeah. once a, a toilet, but I guess by that time it's in disuse. Um, how did this all happen? And what happened so yeah. that people know? It is a very nice uh, I mean, story to it, actually. Like It is the same concept of what I did with photography, actually. Like, because like uh, rather than producing so much of photographs, I think it is very important to preserve the photograph which is being taken, analyze it and then put it in a perspective. I think I did the same thing with this actually, like on a fine day, like when I was going for a walk, I mean, uh, some work, <laughs> some cleaning as a social work, I found this uh, uh, structure which has been abandoned for almost 20 years. So, and um, that road, I mean, is completely closed because it smells like hell. Uh, mm. Because it was a disused, uh, I mean, uh, toilet, public toilet. It is in the middle of the center, I mean, the middle of the city. Yeah. So, like, um, that uh, that entire lane was closed because nobody walks on that road because of this so much of uh, smell and uh, uh, the, uh, the everywhere, you know, like, I mean, everywhere, uh, all things are there, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, uh, but somehow I found that structure was very interesting, even though <laughs> it was a toilet. So, the structure was really good when we see it, actually. Like, so, and... Uh, I thought like maybe like uh, this is the best place to do some art actually. <laughs> so, <rather> than, <laughs> so I went to the administration and asked like why don't you uh, give a permission to do something with that toilet. <laughs> and um, the administration was quite happy because if I asked the new building possibly they would have refused it actually. Mm -hmm. uh, since it was a toilet and it was abandoned for almost 20 years, anyhow, they want to get rid of that, actually. Yeah. So they said, okay, go ahead and do something. <laughs> then uh, we converted into a, a small, beautiful, cute uh, gallery, art gallery. And uh, it has changed the entire space and the mindset of the people. Because that is the first art gallery in Wooty town also. There oh. is no art galleries in that town. And um, there is no place for artists to come and uh, sit and, I mean, have a conversation. Or there is no place where we can um, discuss about art also. Yeah. So this place become kind of a hub later part. In two years, it becomes kind of a hub. And uh, there was a so positive energy. 
So after that, like there are a couple of other galleries also started coming up. <laughs> Now town is emerging into an art space. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, I yeah. mean, Uti does have uh, a very international feel. Uh, uh, I remember just not just walking around, but talking to people. These connections with the rest of the world. It felt like a place where, uh, yeah, people had a lot of knowledge and and experience even beyond that beautiful place but it's interesting yeah. that you say I, i would not have imagined that there was no other art galleries at that time because it seems like there are artists in uti for sure yeah i mean yeah yeah i it, there is no art gallery but uh, there are a lot of artists we yeah. came to know once we put that art gallery actually they started up a lot of people yeah. started coming into that art gallery and uh, we are surprised to see so many artist uh, communities there and everybody was uh, i mean uh, isolated like there is no intermediate connections moment this our gallery started like they started people the people started to coming together it's a very nice um, uh, i mean uh, experience of uh, converting the toilet into a gallery <laughs> so and we named that gallery as a gallery 12 so you know the, yes. uh, the name how will the name yeah cuz you number 1 or number 2 very good Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's also very beautiful that it's done with an excellent sense of humor, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> And even the color is also somewhat resembles to the. <laughs> oh, the <one> okay. <laughs> so I mean, people. I mean, now it's almost two years. Now people don't know there used to be a toilet. Like so, yeah. then I mean, they say it has a very cute, very small gallery. Like so, people think like I mean. But when I say the story, then they associate with the color and they associate with the name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and in terms of it being sustainable, you know, it's been like I said, two years. I mean, uh, will it? Is it going to be able to stay open, stay running? Uh, how do you manage that? Yeah, actually, it is completely a non-profit uh, art gallery. So we don't. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, it, it is very easy for any artist to come and show their work. and um, the administration supports little bit for us like uh, we don't pay any rental or we don't pay uh, any taxes to the government in then they they support us yeah. and uh, the local business community like uh, they also take uh, uh, they also support our gallery actually like so our expenses are very very low actually yeah. like, because it's a very non profit and um, so it is very very collaborative kind of a space so everybody volunteers i volunteer like the people who are all there volunteers to their their time yeah. and uh, yeah we don't charge from the artist also anyway like so that way like it becomes very cooperative a yeah, kind of a non profit space actually yeah that's uh, wonderful how have things gone since then since the the gallery i mean that was 2018 how, especially the last year how has been the last year for you i mean a lot of what you like to do eventually involves people having contact with art with photography uh, now yeah. we're presented with this difficulty of not being able to have contact uh, the limitations of covid of course how has yeah. it been overall uh, actually like uh, i would say covid uh, uh, i mean uh, Uh, the incident happened last year in uh, and india came lockdown in uh, march 21 um initially like uh, i mean there was lot of projects been ca- cancelled 
or postponed like uh, some of the binales which i am part of it actually like as a co curator and uh, some of them are as a jury it's been cancelled or postponed but uh, i would say personally it was a very productive year for me actually, huh. 2020 so i i don't have any sad uh, or any i mean i lost time or something like that because i really wrote a lot of uh, a lot uh-huh. of things on photography so <laughs> i wrote around 50 uh, almost 50 articles on photographer photographers of uh, 19th century about their processes about their uh, how they managed the entire uh, uh, photography journey in india so basically like um, it was a quite productive that way yes and uh, i also launched a very uh, very unique project called the people of india so it is a photo book project uh, which is supposed to be launched this year actually but i launched that uh, book on uh, last year because like we had this window of working on a one year it's a photo book, uh, book project again it's completely collaborative photo book project so we invited um, the photographers from all over india to take a portrait of the people of india hmm. and uh, this people of india will become kind of a book a photo book then the same title as the people of india yes. so it is a kind of a series of books that we planned and uh, we are almost executed that last year so uh, there are around 30 photographers we have invited to be part of it so we have collected uh, images now working on the design and um, august 15th is the la- launch date for the book okay august 15th uh, people of india yeah yeah people and- of india because and it's a very interesting like this year august 15th 1947 like it's 75th year of indian independence okay so as a memory of that actually like uh, i'm kind of trying to decolonize the indian photography uh-huh. so like uh, kind of a present to india uh, to the people of india yeah That's interesting that the decolonizing of photography in India. I I I was yeah. busy with uh, a year ago this month actually. I was a uh, um tagging along really as I do with my microphone um <laughs> as a group of Maasai uh, representatives came to Oxford to the UK. I also went and they were engaged in this process of decolonizing the museum because of course this this museum in Oxford had many cultural pieces from the Maasai that the Maasai had no idea they had which had been taken <laughs> by some british or other colonists once upon a time and how mm-hmm. those pieces were taken they didn't really know and the, when the Maasai saw it they said if the, if you have this this means something very bad happened you would not normally be allowed to have this so they're in this process now now they consult uh the the, the masai uh, and and i'm i'm sort of watching it all happen and it's it's very fascinating it's it sometimes feels very unique and above all it's everybody involved i think is is benefiting i mean yeah. uh, decolonizing indian photography like explain a little how what <laughs> needs to be done you know Actually, like um, India, like um, I always say, like even I have written in my I mean blogs and I uh, say like uh, photography is very important for uh, uh, Indian um, how India was. Uh, for example, like um, three things uh, was very important how Britishers conquered India. One is like telegram, and another one was railways, and third one was photography. <laughs> so these three invention really helped Britishers to colonize India. right like uh, in 1857 and there was a mutiny uh, happened in lucknow so the uh, the britishers used telegram and uh, railways to mobilize people i mean their forces and crush the entire uh, mutiny if they didn't have these two like railways and telegram i think uh, britishers would not have entered india 
Hmm. Right. I mean, British government before it was East India Company, but they would have been like an Indian company only, not as a. Uh, um, I mean, uh, the, uh, uh, the government comes to be here actually, hmm. like British government itself. And photography is one thing like they use extensively to document India for two reasons. One is like to show India how beautiful it is, so that they motivate the Britishers to come and work in India. Hmm. So, like uh, they made so much of postcards and uh, so much of photographs, uh, beautiful from Kanyakumari to Leh, Ladakh, uh, Kashmir, and everywhere. Like, and uh, they uh, shot a lot of beautiful women and peoples and everything. And another one is to create a fear and a kind of a create a hierarchy among the people. So, like the people of India, the book that I am doing now is the same title that Britishers launched in 1851 oh. in the same name, the people of India. In the people of India, they have photographed the people for identifying so and dividing the people based on the caste religion. So the Hindu will look like this. So and his mannerism will be like this. This is our uh, clothing, and this is how he wears. So likewise, they try, try to identify uh, Indians and separate them, and then so that it becomes a visual guide for the Britishers when whoever comes to India. So that they can deal the dividend rule policy. So the People of India book that was came in made by the Britishers in 1851 divided the people of India um, because Britishers used this dividend rule policy very effectively. Hmm. So I took that as in a reverse form and trying to unite people of India mm -hmm. through the People of India book, saying like we are all same, like Kanyakumari to Kashmir, from Gujarat to Assam, or entire India, we are all people. So there, there is no religion, there is no caste, there is no other uh, separated things. Everybody is a human being. So mm -hmm. this people of India is completely decolonizing idea of dividing the people in terms of their religion, in terms of the caste, in terms of the, the rich or poor. So and making everybody to put together and making a people of India book. So saying to the new India that the people of India is all of us. So there is no one person. It is all of us. <laughs> as That's fantastic. Wow. Wow. Wonderful. That's how the Indian book is coming. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing, Mari. I mean, some people during the pandemic, I am also one of them. Uh, I, I find myself, yes, doing podcasts, but also baking, cooking more, uh, learning some small skills at home, you know, working on my music. And uh, But yeah. here I see like you've really gone and, and you're working on something with tremendous impact uh, for so many people. I mean, for the world, really. Uh, but especially for India, that's, that's, I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. But uh, yeah, it is very much needed uh, thing for Indian photography, actually. Like, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Where, where do so you mentioned the blog, but I'm actually not following a, a blog. So I definitely need to uh -huh. find. I would love to read yeah. what you've been writing. So let's let's. Yeah, it is like, very easy. It is a maddyworks.com. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. On it. Okay, from now on, I will follow it and I won't miss it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've been writing about Indian photography, like from the from the beginning of it, actually, like from my point of view, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not and, on and the images, but more on the uh, image creation, actually. Yes, image creation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thing as well, right? Where where you have some power, right? And when it comes yeah. to image creation, you you make decisions that have an impact. Yeah, exactly. Britishers use very effectively, like I mean, uh, how they, uh, I mean. So, I mean, the, uh, last week I was in Jharkhand, like, uh, so we have been discussing, uh, Jharkhand is the northern part of India. We have been discussing um, how photography, 
So Britishers, like I mean, when uh, the photographers from uh, the Western world when they came <coughs> to India in the uh, 19th century, so they would like to uh, depict a tribal in a tribal way, right? So in a way, like uh, I mean, uh, I was told. I mean, I have seen the photographs, but um, I, we have been in the discussion. We came up like they would like to. They will remove their uh, the cloth so that uh, they look very tribal, right? Like then only they take photographs that time actually. Like. So, like how they have been using images to depict a person actually, like I mean, uh, male and female both actually, like because if you see the 19th century photographs of tribal, nobody wears anything on the top actually, like it is very naked, uh, yeah. uh, almost uh, naked. So, like that's how they use, for, I mean, um, uh, create a kind of a story around them actually, like it's creating an image, a kind of a metaphor around the, around the, that image actually. Like. So, like I mean, <laughs> so that's also a part of this decolonizing. <laughs> yes. Now we we cannot do that, and we don't need to do that actually at all. Actually, like I mean, so and the person as a person is not a tribal. Actually, he's a person. He is a, uh, a people of India, a part of people of India. Like, so it is not a tribal, or it is not a other uh, any other caste or religion, or Hindu or Muslim or anything, anybody. So we are trying to. This book will try to bridge the gap between the people around of India. Great. And it sounds like you're certainly not alone in this project, uh, from what I hear, going to meetings, talking. Uh, so you're, yeah. you're, you're working with a, a group of people. How did you, how did you find each other? I mean, it, it, at least it sounds like you're not alone. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not, not at all. I, I don't think with this kind of an idea and this kind of a scale of the idea, like it is very difficult to work alone. Mm. Uh, but I have a couple of people who have been, uh, <clears throat> so I mean, supporting me in uh, uh, all the aspects of it, actually in the designing, in maybe the, in uh, promotional activities and uh, reaching out the photographers. And of course, there are thirty photographers like who are all part of this project actually. So it's a kind of a collaborative project actually. So it, it may be I may be the initiated the project, but uh, it is not my one. It is uh, around the 30, 35 people around <laughs> there around India has been part of this uh, entire project actually. Excellent, excellent. I'm going to find a way to when and when August comes around to get get a copy yeah. uh, somehow, somehow. Yeah. Please come to India for the launch. There's oh, that. No. There's that. <laughs> if we hurry up with these world solutions for these viruses, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. And and hey, something more more on the well, everything is personal, but let's go for the where you are physically. Uh, back when I met you, you had just moved to Uti. It was a big step, I think, in your life. Uh, looking yeah. back now, how do you how do you feel about you know the place you call home? Does it feel like exactly what you needed? Do you do you think of Goa and think, well, when I one of these years I might have to be there? How, how does it feel? No, actually, this is my last year in Wuti. For ah. information, <laughs> I <laughs> ask all the right questions. <laughs> exactly, it was a timely question. Actually, like so, wow. I have this very philosophy of moving uh, i mean uh, shifting my uh, place to one place to another place every 5 to 6 years actually, wow or 6 or 7 years so i try to uh, change the locations uh, based on the landscapes so like now i am in the mountains like yeah. I, before i was in the seashore so and then the landlocked areas maybe i will go to a desert or somewhere yes. but i'm shifting <laughs> you could be in a desert wow yeah so, so it's not yet known but would yeah, it be this? Yeah, I'm working on it actually. Like so, in by mid of this year, I would uh, shift to some place out of Uti. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll I'll watch how that develops. Uh, yeah. So my home is the entire world actually. Like so. Yeah. <laughs> there is no one place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wherever I'm going, that's my space. <laughs> yes. 
Okay. All right. And all these places, I mean, that's also the nice part. I think you have, you have your friends, your communities, and when you come back, uh, I think it's yeah. nice to be welcomed back. So they're, yeah. 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 Wow. Really good, to move, I mean, so that you meet so many people's, the landscape. And I also believe like um, the landscape um, uh, kind of a create an uh, idea, like, I mean, uh, what I have to do actually. So like uh, everywhere I, I, I surrendered to the landscape and it dictates. Possibly the gallery was one of the ideas that came up because of the landscape. Even the working with the archives also start came in because of the landscape. Yeah. So in Goa, I was working more on um, alternative photography because that landscape needs that kind of an intervention. So I think like uh, the landscape is very important to uh, to create a new thought process for me. Yeah. Uh, so I think <laughs> it's, it's interesting because. It People, yeah. <laughs> sometimes people would talk about, I mean, before Corona, obviously, but they would talk about travel as the thing that inspires them. But you bring up a, a slightly different point, which is actually, okay, travel is something, but living somewhere uh, over the course of years, that's that's when you really, I don't know, you, you reach yeah. something deeper. Yeah, exactly. Like, so traveling is just a pass, it's a passing cloud, actually. You just travel, you may be staying one or two days or maybe a month. And uh, you just pass on actually, like so you are into the new landscape and the new things coming. Yeah. But if you stay longer in a one landscape, I mean, uh, but not enough to the entire lifetime, like at least a part of uh, your lifetime. Sure. I think the, the landscape started to, they, I mean, have a conversation with you. Actually, I always feel this like so, like the, uh, the when the conversation leads to a different idea, the different approach to what I'm doing, like a different, completely different way of working. So I think we have to allow, I, I allow this kind of, kind of a conversation with the landscape. Hmm. So, and um, yeah, it leads to me something new, actually, which is very exciting. Yeah, I've also been thinking during the pandemic and it, you know, we know that global travel is down for obvious reasons. We can't do it, but it it certainly was a time for the, I had hoped and I hope still that the world would sort of evaluate how it does things, people of the world. And one of those things for me was always as an advocate for travel, uh, but at the same time realizing that tourism, especially mass tourism and the constant travel that became normal for many people in this world it it has um it has a tremendous downside that is rarely talked about and um i don't know we've been watching it in europe you know it's a, it is great that people travel and meet one another but at the same time uh this is a very limited experience and and there's a certain disposableness about it that i don't feel good about even though i've been i am i have been a tourist i have been a guest but uh, there is something about it that isn't quite right these days or before covid yeah, anyway. yeah i think there is a two different things actually a traveler and a tourist actually <laughs> the traveler is more like a person who goes to the place he adopts to that place like there is a kind of a uh, i mean uh, collaboration happens with the landscape and the people and the environment there Mm-hmm. But the tourist is most like um, to show that I was there actually. And <laughs> after this advent of the social media, I think if you see clearly, like the tourism has increased tremendously. 
because like you want to show that to the people or uh, your fam- friends and family that i visited that but you you would uh, never spend an half a day see like uh, enter world comes to taj mahal right so like everybody has a photo like selfie with the taj mahal like nobody would have spent like more than half an hour in taj mahal right like yeah, yeah. <laughs> because most important thing for them is to take a selfie before the taj mahal yes. uh, but nobody is really cared or interested maybe i'm not saying 100% at least no, but... majority mm-hmm. are not interested about uh, what is taj mahal it may be the architecture it may be the beauty of it like the aesthetics of it the history of it so nobody is really interested like but the social media drives this so called tourism nowadays mm. <laughs> so we don't have travelers anymore we only have tourists like the yeah. travelers have come down actually so possibly you and me like like people like us like are still a traveler in heart and we just do it and we don't post our uh, movement saying like oh i visited this taj mahal yeah. <laughs> something yeah, yeah. like that but yeah. people have, you, when you are writing or when you have podcast or when i am writing on anything for us we go in details and try to understand that's a traveler Yeah so the tourism is like very social media driven yeah. it's either facebook or instagram <laughs> so yeah yeah so much yeah. of life really uh, uh, things yeah. that used to be well i want to say authentic but maybe they were simply it was something you felt more and you did for yourself certainly becomes yeah. now a performance uh yeah yeah exactly like what you said is 100% actually the travel is a performance actually So like I don't know whether you know this like I do walking uh, projects like I mean I do 500 kilometers walking wow. as uh, uh, so 500 or 200 kilometers kind of a walking where I walk from one point to another point in a stretch actually like so from 20 days to 30 days it, it is a travel and it is a performance actually like so I am constantly moving and constantly interacting with the people in a very very slow space like so that i am allowing the environment to absorb me and i am also allowing the and i am uh, i mean the environment to absorb uh, i am also absorbing both in both ways there is a conversation happens between things so in a way like it is a kind of a performance like it is just to walk i mean so i mean uh, to one place you are point a to b actually like or so that like i mean there is a constant flow of thoughts constant words interaction everything happens actually mm. it's a kind of a performance as you said actually yeah so but uh, as a tourist possibly like i would have taken a bus or a car or zip to it <laughs> so possibly i would have missed that space like when i am walking actually. yeah uh, when yeah. when i'm traveling in a bus or when i'm walking i'm completely on this every step is counted every mm-hmm. step is a new step actually Hmm. So it's a beautiful performance I feel I would yeah. say. I I do it makes me wonder you know what will be different uh you know when the world is for example able to travel again um if anything right because many people just want to return to living as as always as 2019 just go yeah. back to that but I keep yeah. looking for any kind of sign uh I'm certainly interested in in living different um and in the world maybe living different but I still haven't seen uh, there's no conclusive evidence that you know travel yeah. will be different economics are different you know, i still see a world just trying to go back to exactly where they were yeah exactly that's a sad part actually instead of moving forward we started to do uh, uh, the what happened before actually like so i don't i mean i i was traveling until the last 15 days like in india i see like uh, i mean um, nothing has changed actually like i mean one year the 2020 Uh, i think like uh, everybody's uh, forgot that 2020 what happened actually mm-hmm. so it's completely normal for them and uh, what was in 2019 like they were doing the same thing now 
Hmm. So instead of moving forward and maybe a kind of a different uh, thought process, like I think Nathan uh, has <laughs> rightly said, actually, I don't see any evidence of change. Yeah. Um, even the mask, like possible, like in Europe or I mean Western world, there is a mask people wear. At least we see, like, okay, some kind of things are happening. <laughs> right. But in India, even that is not. <laughs> huh. So like people are moving around, like billions of people moving without any mask and without any protection. Actually. Yeah. And social distancing. I mean, and with this kind of a population, I don't think social distancing is a, is a viable option for right. us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's an interesting thing too. Any images of 2020 and now 2021, somewhere in the photos, depending on where in the world the people are, there's a mask, even if it's in somebody's hand, if they've taken it off for yeah. a moment, but that that mask is the, the marker of the year or at least the time period. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully they, I mean, the future, like, I mean, possibly like um, they take a you know, conscious decision of what they are doing it actually, like, because uh, the... Um, the, the nature has shown like what they can, what is capable of actually. Mm. So like uh, we are only saying like uh, we can control the nature, but um, it showed to the world like one year like no man, <laughs> you don't have any control. No, <laughs> you no. How to obey what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. So better behave, but I don't think we are going to listen to it actually. Like, um, no, nothing. So and I think like the nature will come back again, order maybe. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, and that will be difficult, I think, for people. I think so. Actually, like if you are not uh, shaping ourselves, I think the nature will come in, come in, come on its own. Actually, mm. yeah, mm. it will find its own path. Actually, yeah. So yeah. we are only like, uh, so we are one of the animal in the planet. Actually, there are so many other things. Actually, other billions of other, uh, I mean, insects and animals and uh, living beings. Actually, like, so yeah. I think uh, our superiority complex is trying to control. I think. Yes, this the unknown corona has completely shut down everything. Like it's a small, like you have to see it on a microscope actually. Like, mm -hmm. But it did stop everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the power of the nature. Yeah. And and it's also interesting for the. I mean, many people discuss this now, but the the realization of how we're connected because we impact one another. If you know, for anyone who's in denial of being connected, for example, uh, an American who doesn't think he's connected to India, but here we see that biologically, uh, at some level, <laughs> you will be. Uh, you know, I think some people thought because there have been cases in the past that when this virus appeared in China, that will stay in China, and that's China's yeah. problem or something like that. Uh, but of course, yeah. that's not what the world is. What is in China yeah. does no longer just stay in China. You know, that's not. Yeah. Exactly. We yeah, it's a world phenomenon actually. Like so, and uh, another thing that it also realized, like I mean, uh, so it it gives a kind of a kind of a good learning for human being. I don't think we have learned that actually. So it showed like we are uh, human beings actually. Like it is not Americans or Indians or uh, uh, I mean a German or uh, Chinese or any other like I mean or rich or poor or upper class or lower class. We are all uh, people. Right, like so, everybody gets it without any uh, difference. Like Corona was everywhere actually. Like it yeah. com completely said, like you are all, you guys are all same actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You're all same. <laughs> so there is no difference for the Corona, right? I mean, for the nature, it was all same. Like yeah. So even it's, though it started from China or wherever it may be, like I mean, it went all over the world. It shut down everything. 
I'm I'm thankful. I realize now it's it's been a, a little while uh, with our conversation, so it's really great. Uh, we also have the video on. People will be listening to this, but it's also good to see you. Uh, but it's great yeah. to have a conversation. It reminds me of the conversations that I loved that we had when I was in Uti, and I, I really appreciate you. Um, and I'm so glad you're doing well. Oh, thanks for uh, this so small chat. It was really fantastic. Like, yeah. <laughs> I really um, loved it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>